So in our gospel lesson this morning, the parable of the rich fool, we meet Jesus just as he is starting to gain a lot of followers. His ministry is becoming very influential at this point. Crowds are surrounding him and hanging on to his every word. While traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus gave his followers some very important teaching regarding discipleship. The topic in today's text specifically deals with covetousness and greed, the notion that wealth can secure prosperity or a good life. This parable introduces us to an anonymous character referred to as the rich fool, a rich farmer who has no friends, no community of belonging, an egocentric character who is probably one of our primary examples of narcissism in the Gospels. He is a symbol of isolation, alienation, wealth, and greed. Here, in true parable fashion, Jesus utilizes a simple and straightforward lesson. It's not without its own complexities and challenges, though. He's using this to illustrate a profound lesson in moral and just behavior. So I invite you now to open yourselves to the Word of God and consider what God is saying to the church at this time. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store of my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves that are not rich toward God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Amen. So I'm wondering, what do you think of when you hear the word fool? Do you think of someone wealthy? Someone who is happy with their life? Do you think of someone we can learn from? If you want to get a little bit of an idea, take note of the picture 
on the front of your bulletin or on our screen, you'll notice he's alone. He has no one around him. In our lesson today, we meet the main character, the greedy farmer, who is a wealthy man that has a fertile field and an abundance of crops. But he didn't have room to store the harvest. So what was his solution? Oh, he built a bigger barn. He built bigger barns to keep it all, so much so that he would be able to live in ease and comfort for his whole life. The farmer does not imagine a world beyond himself or even a world with God. He fails to realize that his wealth could actually be a blessing for others. As we've just seen, the author is not illustrating a very positive picture here. The farmer's inner dialogue is flooded with ego-filled thoughts. In this brief parable alone, there are 11 first-person pronouns used. An insufferable lack of awareness towards others is happening. There is no acknowledgement towards the hired workers on the farm or his brother. He gives no thought to anyone in the community. He even passively glosses over God. The rich fool thought he had a storage crisis, but what he really had was a spiritual crisis. He failed to see God in his very midst. He lived his life as if God did not exist and allowed his life to revolve around himself. Now, there are some gaps in the story here. Perhaps this man went to church. He may have given some of his money to the church, for all we know. Maybe he's a somewhat decent guy, someone we could go to lunch with. But his life, his priorities, and his actions did not reflect that he lived a life devoted of devoted faithfulness to God and neighbor. When he was faced with abundance, his first thought was to hoard rather than to share. And it was a deadly mistake for him. It's interesting that the farmer seeks Jesus out for financial consultation. At this time in history, most people viewed Jesus as a Jewish rabbi, and back then it was normal for rabbis to settle any number of disputes between persons. They were considered to be mediators and often looked to for words of wisdom. Commentator William Barclay notes, it was not uncommon for people in Palestine to take their unsettled disputes to respected rabbis. But Jesus refused to be mixed up in anyone's disputes about money. While the man addresses Jesus as teacher, he does not request any instruction at all. Instead, he is commanding what he wants. He wants to feel valid in that. He wants to take advantage of Jesus's moral authority and tries to use Jesus's authority to gain power over his brother. 
I mean, can you imagine approaching the soon-to-be Messiah, the living entity of God's love, and saying, tell my brother to give me that money. Tell him. This scene kind of reminds me of when I was a young girl sitting down for a meal with my parents and my younger sister. My mom would prepare our plates for dinner, and if my plate did not look identical to hers, one of us would raise our voice and say, but mom, she got more than I did. The parents in the room, you surely know what kind of scene I'm referencing here. We are inherently greedy. Greed is a very human experience. From a very young age, we learn the word more and become hyper-focused on that idea. More food, more playtime, more time to sleep, more clothing, more money, more work, more relationships, more things in our own barn. It's quite timely that this passage appears in the lectionary at the peak of inflation. The rise of gas prices and inflation are a result of greed and unfaithful stewardship. Companies are jacking up prices more than necessary to gain an unethical profit. Companies and political leaders are acting just as the rich fool did, concerned with earth, no concerned and no concern for earthly life, no concern for our neighbors or the afterlife. Our leaders are acting as fools rather than allies. In the final verse of the text, Jesus makes a surprising suggestion to be rich towards God. What does that even mean, rich towards God? Well, the author has mapped this out for us already. First, it means being thankful to God for our blessings. Second, it must mean stewardship, returning a portion to God. Thirdly, it must mean generosity towards our neighbors, whom Jesus has charged us to love, but also to our enemy, who Jesus charges us to love as well. I saw this message lived out here already when we did the Shining God's Light campaign. We created opportunities for church members to empower various groups and organizations all over the country with our wealth. We shared that abundance of God's light. Now, thinking about this text as an individual can get a little complicated. And let me be quick to say that I recognize I am speaking from a point of privilege right now. And while this is happening, many are dealing with real-life stressors. Money to put food on the table, money to save, money to pay the mortgage. We have a lack of energy or time. We are stressed about our jobs. I mean, these are real-life issues that we're dealing with. But God isn't dismissing 
our worries and anxieties. God is urging us to refocus. God knows our struggles and worries, and this message is a reminder that true security rests in God alone. It is an invitation into a safe haven of Christian nurture. This text is about making time and space for God, identifying who and what is truly God in our lives. It's about aligning ourselves and our passions toward God and our neighbor and ultimately towards God's mission. We are well aware that greed is a corruptive force of sin. It is the moral antithesis of generosity. Throughout this message, we've asked ourselves, is greed getting in the way of my giving to giving myself to God and to God's kingdom? Is greed getting in the way of my love for God and my love for my neighbor? Now keep in mind, it's not that God doesn't want us to save for retirement or future needs such as putting some children through college. It's not that God doesn't want us to eat, drink, and be merry and enjoy our lives or things that we have worked hard for. This lesson is reminding us that Jesus' calling in our lives is not about settling disputes. It's about teaching us how and where to find true security in God. Identifying where our true security lies. It's about making time and space for God, identifying who and what truly is God in our lives. It's about aligning ourselves and our passions toward God and our neighbor and ultimately toward God's mission. Friends, God is reminding us that greed is a very human thing to feel. And more so, God is calling us to align our lives toward God and toward our neighbor. I'd like to offer a personal story as an illustration of this before I close. At the start of their marriage, my sister and her husband would plan what they called Fill Your Love Tank Weekend. The concept was simple. One partner got to choose an activity that they would normally do on their own or maybe with their friends, and the other partner would join them in this activity. My brother-in-law would normally choose a hike or an outdoor activity, and my sister would typically opt for a yoga class, maybe something indoors. And they had one rule for these activities. There would be no complaints and no pushback tolerated or allowed from either spouse. And that's because this was a practice in listening in sharing, growing together, and embodying selfless love. I think that we can understand the barn in this story as our love tank, or even God's love tank. Asking ourselves, are we filling our barns with what we want, 
or what God wants? Are we listening to the needs of others, or are we building bigger and better things for ourselves? The barn is a symbol for our whole selves and our very being. We are invited to recommit our lives to God's service, to freely receive God's love and freely give back to others. We are invited to learn from one another, to model the ways of true selflessness so that we may be stewards of deep and loving faithfulness. As we think about how to move forward into a new week, I'm reminded of Proverbs 11. Some give freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer want. A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. Let us pray. Oh God, we know that we have acted greedy at times. We know that we worry even when our worries and fears are unnecessary. We too can be guilty of foolishness. But God, we are captured by your grace and stand in awe of your ability to love each ounce of us, greed and all. We pray that we will continue to walk in your ways, to share your light and love with others so that we can be better disciples. Guide us, O oh God. Show us the way to true faithfulness. We are ready. Amen.